Section 3 of Shen of the Sea, a book for children. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Shen of the Sea, a book for children by Arthur Bowie Chrisman. How wise were the old men. With the first splash of ink, it should be stated that this, the story of Meng Hu, is not intended for those who disbelieve in signs and portents. Such persons will merely say, pish and tush together with other hurtful remarks, and remain unconvinced and scornful. But the open-minded, they are the people. They will nod their heads in understanding. So, the history of Meng Hu, a merry rascal and a clever. Upon the night that Meng Hu was born, in the house of his father, Hao Shu, in the village named Two Roads Meeting, which stands at the foot of Mount Chiaman, meaning, Do not hurry, it is tremendously steep. In Pengchong province, there happened many queer and unseemly happenings. A pack of wolves came down from Mount Chiaman, and leaping into Hao Shu's pigsty, carried off a well-fattened red-and-black pig, for which Hao Shu had been offered eighty cash, everyone good. Between the howling of the wolves and the squealing of the red-and-black pig, all two roads meeting village was aroused. The excitement had scarcely subsided when Hao Shu's pet monkey, for some reason best known to himself and the shen of mischief, entered the house where Hao Shu's fowls roosted. The disturbance thus created caused two roads meeting village again to leap from bed. Only an hour later, a tiger, which some coolies were carrying as a gift to the king, escaped from his cage, and with much roaring pounced upon Haoshu's amiable white cow. There was no more sleep in Two Roads Meeting Village that night, and no wonder. Now, the village called Two Roads Meeting was much like any other village, in that it housed some extremely wise men, men who knew everything about practically everything. These men gathered and wagged their beards much. Some of them said, It is a sign, an omen. How Shu's son, born in the midst of last night's disturbances, will gain his fortune by the agency of animals. With the help of animals, he undoubtedly will become king. He may even become mayor of our excellent village. Other wise men, however, said to the first, do you fellows live in a well? Don't you know much of the world? To be sure, it is an omen, but Mei Chi, a bad one. The son of Hao Shu will be done to death by animals. Mark our words. Then the old men of the two parties fell to fighting and forgot about Meng Hu, son of Hao Shu, the innocent cause. Having lost his pig, his cow, and many of his fowls, the father of Meng Hu found himself a pauper. He who had been rich was now poor. Worse still, a suit was brought by the tiger's owner. The great beast had been gored while pulling down Haoshu's sinful white cow, and its owner sued in a court for damages. Being unable to pay, Haoshu went to jail, and lucky he was to escape with his miserable life, for the tiger was being sent a gift to the king. Thus beset by poverty, the boy Meng Hu was no sooner able to walk than he was bound over to a herder, who immediately put him to work. 
It was Meng Hu's duty to watch over a flock. Early every morning he drove his sheep into the green hills, watching over them throughout the day, and with night's coming marshaled them back to the lowland fold. It was lonesome work, very. Meng Hu had no companions with whom to play and chatter. The solitude oppressed him. He sometimes thought that his mind must surely break. Insanity would claim him. A flute such as other shepherds used to beguile away loneliness was beyond his means to buy. But he must have something, must do something. While thinking of a plan to amuse, he became aware that he was making strange noises in his throat. He opened his mouth. A long, weird howl echoed between the hills. It was the howl of a wolf. Yet it came from the throat of Meng Hu. It came without effort, a perfect wolf cry. The boy was quite as surprised as were his sheep. He went away from the flock to a secluded valley where he could practice the cry without harm. Ow! And again, Ow! The sound was terrifying. Any gray leader of a pack might have been proud of it. At last, Meng Hu grew tired of making wolf howls. He tried his voice at imitating the calls of other animals. A cow. Moo. Sun-awakening rooster. Cock-a-doodle-doo. A tiger. Meng Hu gave the buzzing sound of pleasure, the open-mouthed roar of anger, the coughing woof of pain. He found it easy to give the various calls of Hu-er, the monkey. He squealed in a manner most pig-like. He imitated the onky-onky of his master's donkey. He gave the neigh of a horse. Day after day, Meng Hu practiced in the hills, imitating the calls of many animals, usually in a low voice so that his sheep would receive no fright. Lonesomeness no longer oppressed him. He had a toy more entrancing than a lute with ivory bands. He was wolf and tiger and clucking biddy by turns. He knew all cries of the wild. A train of coolies trudged along the road below. Meng Hu, seeing them, thought to have great fun. He placed his hands, trumpet fashion, to his mouth and gave the wolves hunting song. Ow! Instantly, the coolies flung down their burdens and ran as fast as men can run to the village. Those scary fellows had no wish to help fatten a famine-maddened wolf. Naturally, their fright lent great powers to their imaginations. Not only had they heard the wolf, they had seen him, as large as the emperor's battle horse, and the flock owners had better see about their sheep. A dozen sheep would be only a trifling morsel for that huge beast. This large, holding their hands high in the air. How the village hubbubbed with excitement. Such a collection of spears and scythes and warlike jingles as rushed to the wolf-haunted hills. When Meng Hu saw half of the village's population drawing near in a glorious gleam of weapons, he realized what had happened. Beyond a doubt, he would be questioned. Had he seen the wolf? They would ask him that. No, he hadn't seen the wolf, but most certainly he had heard it. Perhaps the beast was hiding in the thicket. Then hunt for it. That would prevent suspicion. 
The villagers came up to find Meng Hu bravely poking with his staff in the bushes. Oh, but they praised him. See, said the villagers, brave Meng Hu all alone hunts the wolf. How courageous is Meng Hu! His heart is as bold as the heart of Mitze. He who pulled the king's beard. Valiant Meng Hu is an added honor to the village of Two Roads Meeting, renowned for its heroic men. Meng Hu said nothing, just then. When alone, he brayed like a donkey. It was so funny, so laughably ridiculous. He had fooled the wisest men of Two Roads Meeting Village. For the next several days, Meng gave the villagers plenty of violent exercise. He had them come puffing up the hill at all hours. Oh! One long, drawn-out howl was sufficient to set scythes and spears in motion. But the villagers were not so gullible as one might think. They had eyes. Why was it that they never saw the wolf? Never a glimpse could they catch of the rogue. And there were no tracks to be found. Suspicion dawned. Could it be that someone was making sport of Two Roads Meeting Village? Several men hid in the bushes. Meng Hu was seen to climb a rock that overhung the lowland. He raised his hands to form a trumpet. Ow! The wolf. Oh-ho! said the men of whom the flock owner was one. Aha! So it was you all the time! They rushed upon Meng Hu and gave him a good taste of bamboo sauce, which is served upon the back, and sounds swish-thump, swish-thump. The flock owner then paid Meng what few cash were due and bade him chupa, away with you, and don't dare ever to return. Cao Tsai Tzu, you young animal. Meng Hu called to his heels for assistance. He ran and ran till the hills were far behind. Every now and again he murmured sadly, How wise were the old men! They said that an animal would be my downfall. A wolf, a mock wolf, was my undoing. The lowland was a pleasant country, with here and there a ripening field, and here and there a forest. Young Meng stood at the edge of a wood, casting about for a bed to serve him the night. A clatter of hoofs broke the silence. Some twenty men or more dashed into view. From their weapons and general swashbuckling appearance, Meng knew them to be robbers. And knowing, he swiftly clambered up a tree. The robbers halted and gazed about them right and left. Their chieftain said, I thought I saw a man here. If you find him, kill him. For the people hereabouts are fierce enemies. Ho! What's that in yonder leafy tree? Meng Hu could imagine a knife at his throat. He shook the tree with his trembling. Nevertheless, his wits worked faithfully. From his lips came the scolding chatter of Hu Er, the monkey. It was exceedingly well done. The robber chieftain laughed. Only a monkey! And what vile names he seems to call us! Ho, ho, ho! Only a silly monkey! Meng Hu tossed down a ripened fruit from the tree, that being the way of all monkeys. The fruit spattered its juices in the chieftain's eyes. "'What a sweet-tempered old brute!' complained the chief. "'Hurry on! We've no time to waste with a monkey!' The robbers rode deeper into the forest and under a spreading tree dismounted. 
Meng Hu, now feeling that he was a match for forty robbers, followed the trail and spied upon the camp. He saw the knaves divide their booty, gold and jewels flashing in the firelight. There were bales of rich silk, brocades and moires, all rich stuffs. The eyes of Meng popped with amazement. He wished that some day he might own such treasure. But why not own it at once? Why wait for some day? Could there be any way to take it from the robbers? He shut his dazzled eyes and thought. The night was at its most eerie hour, the hour when whitened ghosts appear, when the Yao Mo, the ghosts that have no chins, appear. A monkey chattered in frantic warning. The robber chief awoke and said to his men, Do you hear that sound? Monkeys always make such alarm when danger is near. That monkey warns us. A tiger is near. Get to your horses! Before the thieves could mount their horses, the horror-striking, the flesh-chilling roar of a tiger filled the forest. Instantly, the horses dashed away. Shrieking with fear, the brigands followed. Three roars emptied the camp. Six roars emptied the forest. Between roars, Meng Hu found breath enough to murmur, How wise were the old men of the village. They said that an animal would bring me my fortune. A tiger, a pretty tiger I am. Ho, ho, ho. And he roared again for good measure. Morning's glow was still faint in the east when Meng rounded up the horses. Those that had strayed too far he ignored. No telling when the robbers would return. Besides, the boy had plenty, in all conscience. As blithe as any bobolink, he bobbed up and down, pounding the road toward Chang'an, the capital city. The fortunate fellow settled down in a comfortable mansion and converted his goods into gold as rapidly as possible. To put the merchants in better humor and make them more disposed to buy his silks and jewels, Meng Hu often howled and mooed and cackled. He gave the buyers much entertainment. His strange antics became the talk of Chang'an City. The upshot was that Lui Tsong, the mightiest king, heard of the youth who made such marvelous noises. His majesty sent a courier bidding Meng Hu appear in the square that fronted the palace, there to entertain. Meng promptly appeared, bringing with him a tiger robe, a calf skin, a wolf hide, and other disguises. He intended that the performance should seem very real. And so it was, at first. As a wolf, he frightened three soldiers into running, his bawling was so true to life that an old peasant rushed to the square, declaring that he recognized the voice of his lost calf, and would someone lend him a rope. Oddly enough, the tiger mimicry created no astonishment. It caused neither laughs nor screams. Meng Hu was surprised. Had he not thrown fear into the robber's very marrow with his tiger noise? Roaring furiously, he rushed at a soldier— the soldier merely yawned. Roaring ten times more furiously, the tiger sprang at Li Tsung, the mighty king. Now, of course, Meng Hu, merely a peasant boy, he knew nothing of royalty in its ways. But is ignorance ever an excuse? Never. Meng Hu should have known better than to spring at his monarch and to tooth the royal robes. 
His majesty gasped and beckoned to a captain at the guard. Seize this audacious person and imprison him. Hold him until I can think of an utterly new punishment to fit his crime. He merits something more severe than mere sword or fire. With such delightful prospects to ponder, Meng Hu languished behind lock and key. Over and over he moaned, How wise were the old men! They said that I would meet my death because of an animal. A tiger! A tiger! ai ya, Alas! Though extremely downcast, yet he kept a faint hope. His mind fabricated numerous schemes for escape. He had noticed that the queen seemed extremely fond of a ridiculous little yipping chow. The scamp, with his noise, he had frightened the poor dog in a manner most scandalous. While thinking of the chow, he hit upon an idea that promised much. Directly after the new guards had been posted, Meng Hu began to yelp dismally. His yelping was enough to bring tears of pity to the soldier's eyes. It was distressing. Presently a voice said, "'Oh, soldiers, my dear little dog is locked up, and I don't know where. Hasten and open up all the doors.' That voice was the queen's voice. Every soldier of the guard recognized it. Every soldier hastened along the corridor, slip-slap, slip-slap, opening the doors. One and all, they hastened to free the queen's dear little pet chow. The queen's voice commanded that the doors be opened, yet at that very moment the queen was in a sedan chair several miles away, taking her evening ride. Perhaps Meng Hu could have explained the mystery had he waited, but there was no waiting. The guards had not finished opening the farther doors when Meng crawled away. He didn't even pause to thank the guards. Their kindness went unrewarded. To the wall, to the gate, toward the great wall galloped Meng Hu. The night cloaked his hurry. No one hindered. No one pursued. Over the mountain, a mile to go, there stood the great wall. There the gate. There lay safety. Meng paused for a breath and turned in his saddle. Far behind appeared a streak of light. That would be a torch and a king's man bearing it. They were pursuing upon the king's swift horses. Then hasten, speed to the gate. Away galloped Meng Hu. The gate was before him. Closed. Closed. Ai ya! His escape was blocked by the ponderous gate. He would be captured. He would be killed. And alas for it. Ai you! The gate was closed for the night. It would not be open till morning came. No ten bags of gold could open it before the morning dawned. Not even a royal order could open it. The warden of the gate slept peacefully. Cock-a-doodle-doo! The warden then turned in his quilt. Cock-a-doodle-doo! The warden opened his eyes. Can it be so late? Cock-a-doodle-doo! Hi-ho! Morning already, and... What a noisy fowl! Yes, it must be morning. Time to open the gate so that the early caravans can pass. The key clicked in the lock. The heavy hinges groaned. Clatter, clatter of hooves that were urged. How wise were the old men of the village, murmured Meng Hu. 
They said that an animal would save my neck some day. A rooster. What a toothsome fowl I am. Ho, ho, ho. He laughed as his horse took the open road. End of section three.